Hey, Zach. Hello, Jack. How you doing, man? Doing good. Glad to hear it, as always. Yeah. Uh, so, I have a hand for you this week. As expected. Uh, I found myself back at the Horseshoe Casino in Cincinnati, and about two hours into my session, I found myself in a pretty interesting spot. So, at this point, I've been playing fairly tight. The table is very loose, fairly call happy, and everyone was seeming to stack off or at least call multiple bets a lot lighter post-flop. So Mm -hmm. not really much fold equity, didn't really have any hands. Um, So no kind of images. However I look, young kid, playing a little tight. Yeah. Um, So not your usual uh, maniac status. Yeah. So I'm in middle position at the time the table's eight-handed, and I make it 20 with Jack-10 suited of clubs. Okay, yeah. Nothing really to talk about there. Uh, and then in the cutoff, um, someone with approximately $350 behind calls. This mm-hmm. player, uh, at this point, this was their third buy-in, and they were just playing very loose pre and kind of stacking off with any any piece or any drop post-flop. This person also, I, I think for some reason, I'm not sure if it was as strong at the, this time, but like kind of just wanted to battle with me. He was like the only other relatively young person at the table. And despite being like a very bad poker player, seemed to kind of want to get into these battles and would like stare me down pretty hard whenever we were in a hand together, despite not doing that to anyone else. Not sure how relevant that is, but... <laughs> uh, and then the next player is a very, very talkative guy, like could not stop talking uh, the entire time he was there. Said he was there for about 10 hours at that point, and said he did. He was playing mainly a big PLO game, and based on the way he was talking, I believe him. <laughs> um, and based on the fact that after he said he was going home at the end, he just like went back to the big PLO game. <laughs> yeah. Home, you know, home is up for interpretation. <laughs> yeah. So he was playing incredibly loose, even more so than the other player. Uh, one hand, um, a relatively tight player, three bets out of the blinds after he overcalled. The preflop raiser, initial raiser called, this guy called in position, you know, bets like 65 after it was raised to 15. And it gets to show it out and he has 9-3 of spades. So he three bet with 9-3 of spades, you're saying? No, he, he, o- called. he, over, he, called, he overcalled oh, yeah, okay. after the preflop raiser made it uh, 15 in early position. There was a call that he called late position. Someone out of the blinds made it 65. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, I think he has a very wide range. Yeah. Uh, that too. being said, he was running pretty well, and he only put money in post-flop on draws, even if, you know, sometimes very marginal, but draws. And twice so far, I saw him bet fairly large for value and not necessarily slam-dunk value spot. So he kind of understood like relative hand strength. Yeah, I think that's a really good observation. I've definitely made the mistake of seeing people play sort of crazy frequencies pre-flop and calling some value bets that I sh- uh, should not have called given their, you know, river game. Yeah. Um, but I mean, even like, like I think I remember once, like, I don't think I ever saw him raise so far. He's playing pretty passive, but playing right. definitely a majority of pots. You know, mm. I'd say it's probably around... 
in the hour or so he's been he's been there. At this point, he has me covered. He has about twelve hundred, and I start the hand with I believe a little over seven hundred. It's called seven twenty-five. So I raise it twenty with Jack ten of clubs. The first player three fifty behind calls on the cutoff, and then this loose player calls on the button, and uh, the blinds fold. So after rake, the flop, uh, there's $60 in the pot going to the flop, and it is the jack of diamonds, three of diamonds, four of hearts. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't think we need to discuss... Yeah, it's a pretty uncontroversial value bet. So it's just the sizing. Um, and I'll just give you kind of my thought process. I bet 40, which seems relatively kind of like a standard bet, but just to kind of go into why... I think both of these players are likely to have a lot of marginal draws in their hands. Uh, and I think that's kind of what I'm trying to value target here. I think if I bet 60 or 55 or even 70, I'm going to get calls by all their pocket pairs between fours and jacks. I'm going to get called by their good draws, and I'm going to get called by other jacks. But I think I miss a lot of value from their uh, like worse gut shot straight draws. There are some, maybe some of their worst flush draws, maybe some of their... Pairs of threes or fours. So I wanted to bet 40 because I think they both have a pretty wide range in this spot and wanted to just really get called. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think that's pretty sound. I, I also think that, like, betting betting 60 just looks a lot stronger, and I, th- I think that you actually are likely to perhaps fold out some, you know, lower pairs, fives, sixes. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. And... You know, I think if, if I if I didn't think that you would fold out any, any of those pairs, I'd be, you know, probably thinking more a size like 50, 55. But I think 40 is actually a really nice bet here. Yeah, I think it, it looks like I could still not have anything, but still get some, some money in the pot. Mm-hmm. Um, so they both call fairly quickly. Okay. And the turn is an offsuit 7. Um, so there's 180 in the pot and I'm targeting, you know, pretty much the same range. Five, six got there, but obviously they have way more other hands in their range. Slam dunk value bet. And I bet 115. I think if I bet much larger, I'm not going to get called by their draws. Uh, I think in this spot when I, when I bet that size, they're going to be really inclined Especially the first player now, who only has um, approximately 275 left. I feel like this player is more likely to just kind of go all in our fold. And when I bet near pot, I'll be like, oh, this guy has it. I'm not going to kind of draw. But if I bet smaller, I think he's going to likely to shove. And I think there's a difference. Some players will just only call and be passive with their draws. But this guy who is constantly getting it in light... I saw him once before when he had a draw and didn't have fold. He kind of just put it in. Uh, so I thought that that would induce that more. and I could potentially get a fold if I bet bigger. And then I think, similarly for the second guy, despite him playing you know crazy pre-flop, I did, and him calling most flops, he played fairly honestly on turns and rivers. Like There was one time where he like showed like a pretty decent hand with showdown value face up on the turn and folded it. Uh, against a tight player. Uh, so, again, I think I'm trying to do a size to target that same super wide range, get value from the marginal draws, 
get more value from a worse jack and continue getting value from maybe a hand like nines, nines or tens, eights. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not I'm not necessarily disagreeing with your sizing, but I think that this bet looks a lot stronger than your flat bet. The fact that you got called by two people, you're out of position, uh, and you're betting, you know, three times the size of your flat bet, I would not be surprised to see jacks get folded here, you know, worse jacks, you know, mm-hmm. lots of middle pairs. So I'm not, the reason I'm not necessarily saying that this is a bad sizing is because I think that with the hands that they decide they want to draw with, we want to make them make a bigger mistake. And I don't think that people are necessarily going to call 90 with 7.6, but not 115. Yeah. But I do think that we're not getting called all the time by uh, jacks here. And I think one case for betting a little bit smaller is if we think that the cutoff is more likely to ship with a draw given a smaller sizing. So I think that player, if you bet 115, is likely to fold a hand like jack 8. You know, But 90 kind of does it all. It gets them to ship with their draws and gets value from the worst made hands. That's kind of my thought. Yeah. I mean, that was that was my thought behind my sizing, you know. Yeah. So it's just you're just saying a little bit lower. Yeah, but that's that's sort of I think we have the we have the exact same idea of what we want to happen. I'm just not sure which if your sizing would get the same thing done, obviously we should bet your sizing. Yeah, so I mean uh-huh. it's just a matter of what's going to work there. I think generally in this spot, given how loose they both are, like my default kind of sizing that I would think of first would be much bigger, you know. Mm-hmm. But again, at this point, I had a, a tighter image, so yeah, I'm yeah. just I'm sort of getting into trying to get into amateur mindset and look at the difference between a bet of forty and a bet of 115 versus the bet a bet of forty and a bet of ninety. I think yeah. to an amateur, there's a huge difference there for for really no reason, but it's just kind of true. I think. Yeah, there's definitely something like once you get over a hundred. At, yeah. at two five, you know, it's like everyone calls whatever bet on the flop, and then the turn is kind of when yeah, and to bet people play it pretty honestly. People will remember that you bet forty more so than they'll think about the size of the pot, and to think that like of you course. got called by two people and then bet three times as much, I think just looks a lot stronger than betting ninety. Yeah, I. But I don't know. I, I'm not. Yeah, I mean, ready it, to, like, it, it, it's just say a, that one is right and one is wrong. It's just a question of what's gonna what's gonna get it done. I mean, results-oriented, results my, my bet, you know, I mean, the, well, so the the next player shipped, mm-hmm. so a little over 2x raise, and then the player on the button went all in. Hmm. Another thing to note, I'm just trying to think of another hand that happened before this, he, like, limped pocket kings in early position. Again, he's played fairly past, and he hasn't raised one, so that that's fairly congruent, but... yeah. My, and it's it's a fairly large raise at this point, you know. Yeah, it like, is. I mean, my first my instinct is to fold. Yeah. Just because I think that even though this player's range is wide, I don't think it's capped at all. Yeah. I think that a lot of players. I I don't think it's unreasonable to think that he could call the flop with a set of fours, and then once you know all this action has happened, just decide okay, now I'm just gonna ship it. Yeah, no. I mean, I think he could also have all two pair combos. Right. You know, two pair combos, sets, maybe over pairs, maybe ace-jack. I think 
probably the best case scenario would be a hand like seven, six of diamonds. I mean, that's not the best case scenario. I think, you know, nut diamonds would be, or any diamond draws is equivalent to us, but diamonds would be our best case scenario. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I think I'm probably folding here. Yeah, so I, I thought about this for a little bit. Again, first instinct just to fold. And like I said, the evidence I have in this player is that despite him playing so many hands pre-flop, he's never, I haven't seen him bluff. And most of his bets have gone into showdown and he's had value hands the few times he has bet. And like I said, I've, he's bet large for value before. And I think he's very aware of his image. You know, he knows that it's obviously not profitable to play like that, but I mean, if, he, if he's playing in like the, the 5-10 PLO game, like on a regular basis, and he didn't look incredibly wealthy, like he can't be, I, I don't know, <laughs> maybe this is false, but like he, he, he there's, there's a lot of people that have just like a lot more post-flop, I don't know about intelligence, but just kind of like feel yeah. than, than I think a lot of players like us sometimes give them credit for. Because even if they couldn't kind of put a word on it, they they have played a lot of hours in poker. And while they've internalized a lot of really bad things, uh, they also have internalized some good things, like not putting a lot of money in with a bad hand post-flop and not yeah. trying to make big bluffs for a lot of, you know, kind of basic tenets of live poker. Right. So my first instinct is to fold. But he, uh, what what made a change for me was two things. After he went all in, the third player, the the player in seat three, the first player went all in, was just like, oh, man. Yeah, that that is... Uh... <laughs> like, you know, so I, I, I pretty much know I almost have him beat. Again, I think his range is more draws here. Yeah. But I'm, after the read, I'm, I'm sure that I don't have to worry about that, that guy's hand. Do you think that player... Hollywood? Do you think seat two, or not seat two, but uh, the guy in the cutoff yeah. ever has King Jack in a spot like this? Oh, and it's just like, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Because uh, I, I really think that that kind of hand makes sense. Yeah, here. I mean, yeah, Queen Jack and King Jack, I think, would be the same. But I also right. think he would react the same way with all of the draws and all of his worst hands, made hands. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I don't think that we can, like, we could, I think we could definitely be in really bad shape against this guy's hand. I think you're right, but I think after he does that reaction, that makes us... That yeah, we, we're not too worried about sets and... Uh, straights. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. w- when he goes all in, we're ahead of his range, and when he sighs, like, in a really obvious way that's not Hollywooding, yeah, we're it's, even it's more a, ahead of his range. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, so to be clear, like, it's a good thing, <laughs> it's a good thing, but it's, it's it doesn't mean that we're not in bad shape some yeah. of the time. I also think that the player on the button, like, I think he mainly has value hands, but if he doesn't, he is fairly polarized. Like, I think probably... Jack three is the worst hand he's getting. You know, I don't think he's doing this with Ace Jack. Probably. Yeah. But again, it's it's tough. You have a player that's playing so many hands, who's talking a lot, and I've I've seen him not get out of line post flop, but he's coming from a big PLO game. You know, there's a lot of a lot of factors here, and I and I thought about it for a while, and ultimately I kind of just decided that he is too likely to have a value hand here, and given how big his shove was, I, I just didn't have the odds to call because when mm-hmm. I'm behind, I'm in just terrible shape. Yeah. And, yeah, I just think he's unlikely to have very many... He I think he has, like, very few low equity bluffs here. I, I think he's not... 
He doesn't have that many bad flush draws just because he can, you know, so easily be getting, you know, see, uh, the cutoff could easily have a better flush draw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, this is it's just a really strong raise because he knows that he's going to have to take his hand to showdown once he does this. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's a good fold. Yeah, so something that I was a little fairly conflicted about, just I think largely because of what the results. Hands, yeah, yeah, largely because of the results. Uh, but you know, after talking through with you, I, I feel I feel pretty good about the fold now. So it's funny you mentioned seven six. So that's the hand the guy had, not seven six of diamonds. Just seven six. Just seven six. So he called the flop, you know, mm-hmm. got her to the nuts, and then he explained himself, and he he kept apologizing to me in the most hilarious way. Yeah, it's like I just had to do it. You know, it's like I just I put him on the flush draw, and I and I, I just I knew you had a jack, and I just thought I could do it. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, and the, the thing is, like, I I really give him credit for this play. I think he really understood that, like, he's likely to not do this, and this and this is the thing. Like, I still think it's likely a fold, but why this whole like giving all the reads we're giving is really important because it's not just a guy who's talking a lot. It's like a guy who's coming from the PLO table. It's a guy who has like nine three suited there. Like, there's some players who even if they show up with nine three suited after a three bet, they're never bluffing. But I think. Maybe the fact that he's coming from a bigger PLO game could make it more likely that he's bluffing. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, I don't think enough to make it a call, but I just think it's interesting, like the type of player, because I think he's rarely going to make a move like this, but I do want to give him credit for it, because I think he clearly yeah, kind of great, thought, thought... I mean, it's, it's, it's great play. Yeah. You know, and I, it's such great play that I, I think you should generally not give people credit. To do that kind of thing. And also, I think that, like, this doesn't affect his range that much. Yeah, exactly. Like, he, he'll do this sometimes with, like, a few very specific hands. Yeah. And, and a lot of it... Yeah, it's sorry. not that different than doing it with the Nuffless draw. No. And we, we were already sort of considering that and combinatorically felt like it was a fold. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't feel... You know, too bad about it. Yeah. And of course, he scooped against the brick flush draw. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So then he uh, he managed to keep running pretty hot and then lose a little bit, but not to me. Cashed out for 1,400 out of 500 cap game after about two hours of play. Uh, and then said, yeah. back down at the and then, well, well, then he said he was going home because he's so tired. He's been there for 10 hours. He looked really tired. And then when I go to cash out, like three hours later, there he is playing five ten PLO. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like he's probably got a lot of experience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well played. I think. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks everyone for tuning in. Look out for more to come on the blog. Another installment on my series uh, on PLO and some other stuff. Uh, We'll see you guys next week, and remember, keep setting us hands. Uh, All right, be well.